Hey, this is Phil Vaughn. Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a few minutes each week focused on learning how to follow Jesus. New episodes drop every Sunday. You can also find written content at lifebeginswithdeath.org. If you'd like to support the work of the blog and the podcast, then visit patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Phil Vaughn. Or you can just hop on the blog and follow the link to Patreon. It's a way to support the work and uh, encourage it uh, with a small donation each month. All right, with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into this week's episode. Hey, glad you're here for week two of the the Ruth series. Uh, This week, we will introduce this uh, incredible Hebrew concept, this word that's found uh, throughout the Old Testament, uh, but really plays a center role in the book of Ruth. Uh, Kesed is the word, and it refers to this uh, immense loving kindness that God gives to us, the way he provides and takes care of us. And so this entire story, Ruth and Naomi and the hope of a future and the losses that can come, the kinds of expectations that we set up for ourselves and for other people, all of these things intertwine and they really make up the fabric of our day. And so here's my hope that as you are going through this Christmas season, that you're taking some time to read through the story of Ruth with us and maybe ponder again the ways in which we have set our expectations uh, in places that they can't be met, and what God does in the middle of that and how we can come to Him most often when we're open-handed and allow Him to uh, love us well in the way that only He can with this kessed kind of love. And so I hope that you are experiencing some of that this Christmas season in the quietness of, of moments between you and the Lord all alone. And so let's jump into week two. I hope it's uh, helpful and a blessing to you. Christmas is a difficult time of the year because we set expectations that are so high that no Christmas, no gift, no relationship could ever meet. And that it's not just Christmas that is that way. It's our entire lives that are that way. All of these expectations, these hopes and dreams, all of these things regarding our careers or what's maybe under the tree that's wrapped or our marriage or the success of our kids, we bring these expectations to life. And when we bring them and they don't get met, we find ourselves in a place of disappointment. It's where hope dies. It's where cynics are born. And this is where Naomi finds herself at the beginning of the book of Ruth. Her husband has died. Her two boys are gone. She's in a foreign land, and she returns home to Bethlehem, the city of her home. And on her way back, Ruth joins her and devotes her life to her. And this story unfolds, and it helps us understand the message of Christmas, that God will meet us right where we're at. In fact, we talked about two very important things that I'll mention briefly. They're in the program for you, and it's this. The first one, it says right there, God empties us so that he can fill us. When these dreams die, when we go through disappointment in our life, God is doing something in our heart. He's emptying us so that he can fill us. And secondly, we said this, that the space between being emptied and being filled again is a dangerous place. It's a very difficult time. Maybe you're in that space. Maybe your heart is in a place where God has left you disappointed or other people or circumstances 
have left you disappointed. And in that space, God wants to do something unique in your heart. And he can only do it. He can only do his thing after he's emptied you of all that you want, of all that you desire, so that he can fill you with what he wants. And the book of Ruth and the Christmas story, they show us how God does his thing. And so when we begin chapter 2, Ruth and Naomi are back home. They've got to figure out what's next. They are two widows that live in a very male-dominated society. And so now next steps are very difficult, very hard for them. How will God provide for them? How will their needs get met? We read at the end of chapter 1 that they came back during the harvest time. And as they came back during the harvest time, there was this glimmer of hope. Chapter 1 starts with famine. It ends with the harvest And then we have a sense that God is at work, that he's about to do his thing. And so let's start. Ruth 2, chapter 2, verse 1. Here's what it says. You'll see it on the screen. Now, Naomi, this is the mother, the widow. Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing. Wouldn't you like that to be your moniker? Who are you? Well, I'm a man of standing. That's who I am. A man of standing from the clan of Elimelech whose name was Boaz. And so we meet this man for the very first time. Now that verse lays there at the beginning of chapter 2, but we don't hear much more about Boaz until a little bit later in the chapter. There's some indication that he's going to play a role, but we don't know what. God, what are you up to? Who is this man? Why is he a part of this story? But he's important. Apparently he has some sort of reputation or resources. Maybe he can help. Then Ruth looks at Naomi. The cupboards are bare and they're wondering, How are we going to get our needs met? And so she says, let me go. Let me go out into the fields and let me see what I can find. Harvest is happening. Surely there'll be some leftovers for me. And so Naomi says, that's fine. Go, go get what you need. And you have this sense at the beginning of this chapter that Naomi is turning inward, that she is not thinking about others. But Ruth, on the other hand, is thinking, how can I help the two of us? find our way now that we're back home. And so that's what Ruth does. She goes out and she finds a field. And in this field, there are workers. They're harvesting and they're moving through the field. And as they're moving through the field, they leave scraps behind that they don't fit into their baskets and into their satchels and all of these scraps. Ruth asks the foreman in charge of this field, do you mind if I follow the workers and if I pick up what's left over? He says, no, that's fine. Go right ahead. And so that's what she does. And she begins to fill her basket with grain from the harvest. Then the scripture says in chapter 2, as it turns out, when the Bible says one thing led to another, or as it turns out, you can be sure that it's not a coincidence that God is working, that he is up to something, that he is working in the background. And this is what we said in this season between when we get emptied And when God fills us again, that he is at work, he's doing his thing. He may seem quiet and he may seem distant, but he's up to something. As it turns out, she was in the field that belonged to a man named Boaz. Boaz shows up and we know that he knows who his workers are because he looks and he surveys the field and he sees everyone he knows. And then he sees a woman in the back picking up the scraps and he doesn't recognize her. And so he asks his foreman... He says to him, who is this young woman in the back? What is she doing in my field? Why is she here? And the foreman says, that is 
the daughter-in-law of Naomi. You remember, you've heard her story. She's from Moab, and she returned with Naomi, and she's collecting grain so that the women can eat. So Boaz comes along beside Ruth while she's working, and here's what he says to her. I'm glad you're here. When you go out every day to pick up scraps for you and Naomi, don't go to somebody else's field. Come to my field. I'll take care of you. Boaz is afraid if she shows up at just anybody's field that somebody might take advantage of her. Somebody might hurt her. And he tells her, we'll protect you. We'll take care of you. In fact, gather everything you can for you and Naomi and take it back home. And not only that, Ruth, while you're out working, if you get thirsty, my men have collected water and they've put it over here beside the field. They're in the jars for the men. But you take a drink whenever you like. Not only that, midday, Boaz sits down with Ruth and he shares a meal with her and he gives her some of the prepared food that all of the workers get. He treats her as one of his own. In the middle of this, Ruth bows down before Boaz and says to him, why are you being so kind to me? Why are you taking care of me? How have you met my needs so deeply and so completely? Boaz's response to her requires attention from us because what he says sets the stage not only for the entire book of Ruth, but for all of the Old Testament, and it floods into the New Testament. Here's what Boaz says to her. I've heard your story. I know about your relationship with Naomi. You made a decision to devote your life to her and show kindness to her. The love that you have shown Naomi is powerful, deep, and real. You have left, Ruth, you have left your mom and your dad. You left your people. You have made this your new home. You have made us your new people. Because of the kindness you have shown, I will show you kindness in return. This idea, this reciprocal grace and love and kindness is the very center of what it means to show grace to each other. And it is the middle of Jewish thought and theology that shows up all throughout the Old Testament. There's a name for it. In fact, you see the Hebrew word in your program. You can see it. It's that word you thought we were starting a fraternity here at Southeast. That's not what that is. This is a Hebrew word. You'll see it on the screen. And when you see this on the screen, the English transliteration is all around it. It's, it's in the same, you can spell it any of those ways. This word is unique, and it's very difficult for us to translate, but it's pronounced in Hebrew, kesed, kesed. When you say this, in fact, say it with me, ready? The, the accent's on the first syllable, and the, uh, the end of it just kind of trails off. Say it with me, kesed. That's not bad. Try it again, kesed. Now, if you say it right, there's a little guttural Hebrew thing that happens between the K and the H. And if you do it in the proper way, you have to clean off the back of the head of the person in front of you. I mean, phlegm should just fly, right? And there's sanitizer at the doors. You're fine. Just clean it off. Kessid. Say it with me one more time. Kessid. This is so difficult to translate into English. What it means is so deep and transformational. It has been translated love, kindness, grace, loving kindness, generosity. 
This is the very center of what it means to be God's chosen people. This loving kindness is all about what the scriptures talk about when the Bible tells us to care for those who are on the fringes of society, just like in our sensory friendly room. It is the very center of what it means to care for the poor, the widow, the fatherless, the motherless. It is the very center of God's kindness and grace to us when he gives us an unexpected gift and an unexpected blessing in our life. This is what Kesed is. And it's at the very center of this story of Ruth. And it's at the very middle of who God is and how he operates with his people. It shows up first in the book of Ruth when Ruth says to Naomi, I will be with you. I am devoted to you. And who knew that this kindness, this grace, this kesed that Ruth shows to Naomi would actually lay the foundation for the rest of Naomi's life. And Ruth shows this love and Naomi almost completely misses it, doesn't she? Do you remember the end of chapter one? When Naomi comes back into Bethlehem, you remember what she says? When I went away, I was full. But now that I'm coming back, I am coming back, what? Empty. Have you ever wondered what it felt like to be Ruth standing beside Naomi when she says this to all of her friends? When I went away, I had everything. Now that I'm coming back, I have nothing. What did Ruth feel like? Can you imagine? I've devoted my life to you. In this space between being emptied and being filled, God gives us kesed. He gives us a grace, a kindness. He provides for us. He meets our needs. And in this space, you could be tempted to miss it. And if you miss it, you will become bitter and hardened. And you will believe that God isn't for you. And the truth is this. Perspective is absolutely everything. If you believe that God is for you, that he is in the fight with you, if you believe that God is working on your behalf, even when it seems like he's not, you can endure anything. You can get through it because you believe and you hope that God is up to something good. And he is. And Naomi almost completely misses it. Ruth shows this kesed to her companion, Naomi. And in return, because of her devotion to Naomi, Boaz hears this story and he gives her everything they need. Don't miss this. Kesed has this reciprocal nature. It comes around. When it is given, then it is received. And when it is received, it is in turn given. This is how God's grace works. Because of Ruth's devotion to Naomi, Boaz takes care of everything that they need. And he makes sure, in fact, he tells the men that are harvesting, he pulls them aside. If you read chapter 2, you know this. He pulls them aside and says, hey, you want every now and then, drop a whole stalk. Just leave some good stuff for Ruth and Naomi to be sure that they not only receive what they need, but it's not just the leftovers. God meets us in these places. This is what happened to Joseph. You remember the story last week, Joseph understanding that 
His life now is changed. His wife-to-be, in fact, in their culture, his very wife, is now pregnant. And everything that he had hoped for or dreamed all of a sudden seems like it's just disappearing before his very eyes. In fact, it says in Matthew, the part of the story that we read last week, chapter 1, verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful, Joseph and Mary, because he was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace he had in mind to divorce her quietly. This was Joseph's plan. The best he felt like he could do would be not to embarrass the woman that he loved so deeply. But no doubt he feels deep and grave disappointment that his life is taking a turn that he had not expected. But then God gives him a grace, a kindness. Here's what it says in verse 20. But after he had considered this, this divorce, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. At this point, Joseph probably stopped and said, huh, that's what she said. She said that very thing. I didn't believe her. I thought she was just covering her tracks. But now there's an angel in front of him telling him the very same message. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The same thing happened in Mary's life. Can you imagine what it would be like to hear from an angel? Poor Mary, I know that you have plans for your life. And I know that you've not yet been with a man, not even with Joseph, whom you're engaged to be married to. But you will be found with child. In fact, when it shows up, when it happens... Luke tells us the story. Luke chapter 1 says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, this was Mary's relative and cousin, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And you will see these stories from Ruth and Joseph connect. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled. You notice that every time an angel shows up in Scripture, it freaks people out. It would you too, right? You have no idea. What just happened? I have no idea what's occurring. But the angel said to her, and the angels always say this, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Mary, you found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Now, at this moment, Mary's seeing her very life disappear before her eyes. What will this mean? Nobody will believe me. How will this work? And in the middle of this very trying and difficult time, everything that Mary is hoping for and dreaming for, laying on the side, knowing that God is at work, God gives her kessed. God gives her this grace that you are not alone. How important is it to you when you're going through difficulty to know that somebody is with you? that you are not alone. God had given her this relative, Elizabeth, who knew what Mary knew, also pregnant, to walk through this season with her. In fact, it says later in the chapter, the next verse, 45, I want to read to you. This is what Elizabeth says to Mary. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. What is she saying? I'm with you. You're not going to go through this alone. I know what God is doing in your heart. And this space between being emptied and being filled, I will walk through it with you. It's called 
chesed. And it's what God does in our lives when we are in between, in between losing hope, living with disappointment, knowing that God will live with us. In fact, there's a definition. Here's the definition that I'll give to you. You can write this down if you're a note taker. It's very simple. Chesed is this, a loyal, loving kindness shown in a tangible way, especially during a time of desperate need. It's a loyalty, a grace, a generosity. It's a kindness that we show one to another, that God shows to us. And when we experience it, it's not just an idea or a statement or an expression. It has some touch and feel to it. It's tangible. And when it shows up, it changes our lives. And it lets us know that we are not alone and that God is with us. This is the message of Christmas. And it's the very thing that you and I, our entire church, wants to be a part of next weekend when we take up an offering for the Southeast Community Outreach. We mentioned it last weekend that one of the goals we have this month is to show Kesed or show the kindness, the same kindness that Boaz showed to Ruth and Naomi in the middle of the fields during the harvest. We want to provide food for those that don't have it. We want to provide sustenance for those that are wondering as they look at their bare cupboards, what will God give me? How will he provide for me? And in doing so, we'll take an offering next weekend that we hope will meet at least our goal of $75,000 that will fund and provide food for the Secor Food Bank for all of the next calendar year. That's our hope. Much of what they receive is through donations, food donations, but they also buy food that is perishable so they can give to people that come in our doors fresh food. These are the leaves and the, the harvest that Boaz had the men leave behind. It's good stuff. We don't want to give seconds. We don't want to give leftovers. We want to give the very best to people that have needs. Hundreds of people come in our doors every week and are fed by the Secor ministry. Now, you may not know this. Secor is its own nonprofit. They're a completely independent nonprofit. They used to be a ministry of our church, but years ago they became their own independent organization. But they're housed here in our church. Most of you know about the Christmas outreach that Secor puts on every year. Many of you are unaware, if you're not here through the week, that Secor does stuff every day of the year for people who have needs. We want to partner with them. And so next weekend, we will take two offerings. This will not be a habit, I want you to know. We won't do this every week, but we will next weekend. We'll take our normal offering, and then after that, we will take a second offering. The first $75,000 will go to Secor to meet their needs of the food bank. Anything in excess of that will go to meet the needs of people in our community and our church who don't have what they need in other ways. We will use every penny we collect in that offering to be a form of kesed for the people in our church, in our community. There's a card out in the Welcome Center that says, Enough on the Table. It's what this offering is called. And this card explains that you can give online. We've already had money come in, a substantial amount, already for next week's offering. And we will also take that physical offering during the service. You can give then as well. Here's my hope, that you will place this on your fridge, someplace that you see it often. I assume you go to your fridge as often as I do. And if you do you'll be reminded that you have all of your needs met. There's some in the room that uh, make use 
of our SECOR ministry. May you be reminded that you were in need and that you were provided for. And our hope is that you'll do something with Christmas funds or money that you have set aside for something else that you will be convicted to give so that God's people will have all that they need. As we said, the interesting thing about Kesed is it creates a reciprocal kindness. What that means is this, is that when God gives us this grace and this kindness, we in turn turn around and give it to somebody else. This is what the world needs right now. You're around. You see how desperate everyone is to experience a bit of kindness, a bit of grace, a bit of love, a bit of the goodness of God. When we show kindness to people around us through generosity, love, patience, joy, what happens with this kesed is it is then reflected and turned around and given away. Some of the best volunteers in the Secord ministry are people that have been recipients of their kindness. They turn around and they give it back. We want to be a church that reflects this kindness and generosity and love and compassion. And as we do so, we hope that God's grace will impact and change the world around us. This is our hope. So here's my question for you. As we close up today, it's this. I wonder if, when you read this story in Ruth, if you are more like Naomi or Ruth. Naomi almost missed it. She was unaware of God's grace and kindness in her life. She says, I'm empty. I have nothing. I wonder if you and I sat down to chat and I asked you, tell me about God's grace and kindness in your life. Tell me about the kesed that he has shown you over and over and over. I wonder what would come to mind. I wonder how quickly names, relationships would come to mind for you. I wonder if you would be able to just make it. I wonder if you'd look at me and say, how long do we have, Phil? Are you kidding me? I could go on for hours about how God has met my needs over and over and over again. Or I wonder if you would be stumped. I wonder if you're glass half full or glass half empty. God wants to show you this kesed so that you will in turn reflect it to other people. And then I wonder if you have been kesed to other people. If you have used what God has given you, resources, energy, talent, to give to the people around you so that they will experience the very grace, the love, the compassion of God. It's what he wants to do through you. It's what he wants to do in you and in your relationships.